I'd like to start out this morning as we uh, take the, the message to you that the Lord has placed upon our heart. But I want to uh, ask each and every one of you, and you're going to say, well, this is kind of crazy because you know, but how did your Christmas go? How did it go? We already talked about that we were with family and these were good things. But I want to ask you a question. What made that day special? What made that day what it was? What made that day is you can come in and I talked to some of the children this morning as a, was was did you get many presents? And you know, I, I talked to Grace and she looked at me and smiled and shook her head yes. And Faith, I'm sorry, uh, Faith, I, I got her name wrong, but I'm, God knows who. And she said yes. And I'm sure that I'm sure that you would, uh, everyone would have that same conversation, especially if you talk to the kids. But let me ask you, what made that possible? Did it just happen? Now the word I'm going to use today, and we'll see, is preparation. You women... How many weeks? I know my wife sometimes, even in as early as July and August, she is buying things for Christmas. How far did your preparations go? How intense was that? Did you buy presents way back early, or did you wait down to the last minute, and your preparations was pushed, and you were rushed, and, and the presents you got were maybe not exactly what you wanted? Uh, did you... Uh, Order something online, and it didn't get there. It happened to us. We had to take a picture of, of a present because it didn't make it. The preparation was made, but it didn't play out. Now, I'm telling you this. I, I know Katie and, and Brother uh, York, you'll probably shake your head with this because I know you're very much about this, but she says, I love Amazon. The Amazon list, she says, that's the way we ought to do it every year because you get on there, and it was so easy to... Uh, order or, or, you know, they just put their wish list on Amazon and they just clicked buttons and, and bought things and it made it so much easier. That's, I, I guess that's the way it is. I didn't do it that way, but I'm sure there's a lot of faces and heads around here shaking that was pretty a pretty good way of doing it. But you see where I'm going with this. That was a preparation. It, it was an easier way of making preparation. But we made preparation for that special day. What about your jobs? How did you get to the job you're at? Brother Jeff made mention the other day, we was up there working, and he, uh, he was doing real well with what we were doing there with the furnace. I said, Brother, I think you missed your calling. You're doing a real good job. He says, Oh, no, Brother. He says, I went to school and I studied really hard where I could sit at a computer and, and, and do my work sitting at a computer. He made preparation. To be able to do that, to make something that he felt that he wanted to be, to make his career what, as being a computer person. But he didn't get to that point without preparation. He had to go to school and he had to be trained. You children here this morning that have to go to school and you're, you're, you don't like school. This is a good thing. You're making preparations for your future. That's important. Preparations. We know we, and I'm bringing this out, we know that we are good at that. We are very good at that when it comes to our worldly and carnal walk in this world. Are we not? We are very much a part of making sure everything in our carnal worldly things are in order. 
We all we, we cannot deny that. We cannot look I can look around here and we cannot deny that we are all about it. Making sure things are put where they need to be. And we are prepared to do these things. You know, we put this furnace in. We had to make preparations for that. The Bible even talks about you wouldn't build a tower without making sufficient uh, preparations to see if you had monies to able to, to do the work to completion. It talks about a, a king's going to battle and they wouldn't make preparations before they went into battle to see if they could make do it by uh, going and, and trying to make a peace talk. Or if you wouldn't go up against a, a, an army of a thousand with only a hundred, would you not? Now, it's happened in time. The Lord has been on there and, and, and allowed that to happen. But I'm talking about in our carnal preparations, that would not work. That would not work. Preparation. We all, I'm looking at your faces. I know your jobs. I know what you do. And I know that you have talked to me. And you talk about those different preparations you've made to make that happen. You know where I'm going to with this, don't you? Don't. Don't you? Those that have your Bibles and want to read with me, I'm going to read a few verses out of the second chapter of Acts. I'm going to start with the 22nd verse of the second chapter of Acts. You men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God, among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you as you yourself also know. Him being delivered by a determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should hold it to it of it. For David speaketh concerning him, I pursue the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand, that I should not be moved. We talk about David had seen the foreknowledge. He had seen he was by his hands at all times. He's seen that in the Old Testament that he was there and he's seen the Lord as his help and his help. And I want to bring that to your attention because why was David able to make that statement? So I want to go up to the 23rd chapter, or the 24th verse, the 23rd verse of this reading. And it reads, And him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken him by wicked hands, have crucified and slain. Now, that verse, I want to uh, elaborate on that. And what that is saying, that before the foundation of the world, that determinate council, and there's other uh, translations. If you look at the uh, NSB 95, it says, This man delivered over by the uh, predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed it to the cross by the hands of a godless man and put him to death. That, 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 that says it also. There's other translations that calls that determinate counsel as a defined plan. God's deliver, uh, uh, deliberate plan, a prearranged plan. These all fit. These are all correct. Before 
the world even come into existence. In the, in the council chambers of glory, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost, well, they were members of this council, and they come together and they made a plan. They made a preparation because they knew that mankind would need a plan. They knew it. They knew that God was going to, uh, that, that man was going to fall. They knew it, and, and, and they, they made a preparation for that time. Why is that so important? That, that, that plan that was made before the foundation of the world, God had prepared for you and I. Think about preparation. We talk about the preparations we are there. The love that God had for us, God prepared a way for you and I even before we were even created. And he has got that same plan that's going to be in place for each and every one until the end of time. That plan is something that needs to be preached. It's something that needs to be, we talked about personal evangelism is coming on. That plan needs to go out to a lost and dying world because God has made that plan available. Think about that. I'm trying to, 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 to stir our minds how precious this is and how much love God has for mankind. It's a love that is beyond our knowledge. It is called agape love. And agape love. And he does love mankind that much. That is a love that is even greater than, than, than a parent or a mother to her child. It goes deeper than that because we see when Christ was on the cross and he was hanging there, he looked down at his mother and he says, Behold thy son, talking about the, the one that he loved. The, the disciple that he loved. And he said, Behold thy mother. He made preparations for her. He loved her so much he made preparations for her. But he could have been pulled, he could have called 10,000 angels. And he could have come down off of that cross. And he could have saved his mother that grief. He could have. But his love was more and greater for you and I than even for that of his mother. He made sure she was taken care of. But I'm talking about a love for you and I. Even those that that will take and spit in his face. We know when he was when he was pulled and he was taken down to the, the, the mountain of Gargotha, the hill of Gargotha, he was spit on. He was slapped. We know even when he was taken down that road that he had been beaten beyond recognition. And even after that, he was there on that cross and he says, forgive them, Father, for they know what they do. That was, when we talk about that determinate counsel, he was there and he says, Father, I will go and I will take the place. I will go and I will die for them. I will go for those people that do not like me, those people that will spit on me, those people that hate me. I will go and I will give my life and I will die for them and make a way, a way for them to be saved by your marvelous grace. A way. Do you not see the preparation that God had for you and I, for mankind? If we can take it, we can take that, that picture and portray it to a lost and dying world, we know people that are looking for something to fill a void in their life. There is nothing that would be more greater than the love of God, that enormous love that God has for mankind, and to portray that picture before them, say, God made a plan. He made a way for you. Let me explain it to you. And this was being before you existed. Can you see this, how powerful this message is to, as we go and we talk to people? We talk to about it being hard to, to talk to people. We talk how hard that I want to be rejected. But when we look at the preparations that God made for us, 
God's plans are great. God's plans are perfect. God's plans will work. We all we want to take and put a plan that, and we talk about our little box of organization. We want to put that plan in our little box of organization that we think, well, I don't want to make them mad, and I'm going to try this new little method. I'm going to try to 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 just bring them in here and, and have some kind of program. And I don't say we do that, but that's that's what I need us to understand. We do not need programs. We do not need nothing but the Holy Spirit of God endorsing and helping us to do what He had prepared for us to do. We talk about what are we going to do? God has already prepared that plan. He has already prepared a way for us to get that out to a lost and dying world. And it has worked from the foundation of the world and it still works today. We have seen it time and time and time again. God coming on the scene and answering prayers and His Holy Spirit manifested among us. There is no substitution to that. I know when I've been in these services, when the Holy Spirit is manifested in such a mighty way, you've been there before, do you remember? Sure you do. There is no substitution for that. There is no, we don't look at each other and say, well, I just don't know if God was here or not. The whole church, have you been there? I've been there, you've been there, I've been in church, I've been in services with you. You've been there when the, man, the power of God was manifested in such a way that his hearts were stirred. Lost people were back in the back of the house and they seen that Holy Spirit stir amongst people of God in the church and it moved and, it, and, and people were, were praising God and uplifting Him and talking about His goodness and what it meant to them. And it had an effect on those lost people. It had an effect on me when I was lost. When I sat there in the back and I seen those people up and shout and praise God and it was real, it was genuine because I could feel it even as a lost person, that drawing power. It was, it was amazing. Sitting right there. You've heard it many times. Brother Lewis Holland sitting right here and I've, it got to me. That power was strong. And it drawed me as a, as a lost person. I bowed. You see me pray many times. But I prayed right here because the first time I nailed my knees. And I prayed and opened my heart to God for salvation. There was power here that day. And it continues on and it will. It needs to be again. But it works. God wants to come down. His plan needs to be fulfilled. He has put it in place for you and I. Not to alter. Not to change. But to follow his plan. He's made preparation. He's made preparation. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Very familiar. We've pretty much, you could probably go around the room and each and every one of us could probably quote that without even looking at the, the, the Bible. But that scripture is so powerful. That love of God. That love that I brought to you, your attention just a a moment ago. That agape love. That love that is so powerful and pure that it will move lost people. They need to know that. Some are, they may hear it a hundred times. But until they open their heart until the Holy Spirit is endorsing that and it comes and it floods their soul, they may not recognize it. You know, I, 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 can, I can identify with that. I was in church my whole life. 
I heard the Missionary Baptist ways, the, the true way, many, many times. I could have quoted you and understood the, the doctrines of the Missionary Baptist people probably when I was five years old. I knew it well. Brother, Brother York, you knew it well too, didn't you, brother? There's many here that was raised under that and they knew it well. They could have rehearsed it for you. But it wasn't until I was eight years old that it was manifested to me. That's how it works. God will reveal that and His love will come across And when the Holy Spirit is present, it will do the work. That's what we need, brothers and sisters, is the Holy Spirit of God helping us to fulfill the preparations that He made before the foundation of the world. It works. It has always worked. Always worked. We need to sometimes, as we say, get back to basics. Simple. Sometimes I think we overthink it. I know I'm guilty of that from time to time. We overthink things that we, we don't have no business even trying to change or trying to overthink. God has already made preparation. And we can't, oh, we can't do better than that. We cannot do better than what God has already prepared for us even before we were even created. Wow. Let that sink in for just a moment. How awesome is that? Think about that preparation and how awesome that is. That even before we were even created, He knew that we were going to be created. He knew that we'd be here on this day. The power of God, He knew that we'd be sitting in this audience this day and we would be listening to the message that He placed upon my heart. He knew who would be here today. He knew that. He knew. He knows we're going to be here next week. He knows all things. The foreknowledge of God. It talks about the, the in that his foreknowledge. He knows these things. I don't know about you, but if I want to do something in my preparation for life, I want to go to one that has done it before. If I want to know about taxes, I'm going to go to someone that has done taxes before. If I want to know about my sickness, I want to go to a doctor. Right? You don't know about insulation, you want to go to Brother Jeff. I'm using these things, but you understand where I'm coming from. So why, when we want to know about how we should go and evangelize this world, how we should get this gospel message out, and how we should do it, and how it would work, who would you want to go to? God. He's made that preparation. He's He's perfect. He prepared it a long time ago. And we have seen, we have scriptures. And that's what I'm going to get to here in just a moment. Lord, we allowing us to do that. He has shown time and time and time again of it working. We have scriptures in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. shows that He is real and that His ways will work. You know... We like to look at history and we always hear the saying that history repeats itself. I believe that. I believe that in the scriptures and Ecclesiastes it says there's nothing new under the sun. And if we look at our, the, the history of the world and up to this present time, we see a lot of repetition. We see a lot of peop, people going into the same, same areas and, and coming back up. If you look at the Old Testament uh, kings, in, in the way, the state of the minds of the people at that time, it's like a roller coaster ride. They were up high on the mountain and praising God and glorifying Him, and then they would go down into devil worship or idol worshiping, and then they'd come back up. 
It's just back and down. We are the same today. We're just in that same roller coaster ride. That same roller coaster ride. The Old Testament is full of prophecies that we can read into the New Testament and seeing that they have been fulfilled. That plan that God set out, we see that the Old Testament people that were looking to the cross were going from the same plan that we are in the, in the New Testament looking back to the cross. It's the same plan. It's the same preparation. It has not changed. And we have a book that is full of those areas that it has been successful. And we've seen people find the Lord. We know that we read about Job. He says, I know my Redeemer liveth. How did he know that? How would you be able to, to take and put that down for you and I to read this day? How did he know that? Because he had felt the Holy Spirit of God touch his heart. He had been saved by the grace of God and he was testifying to that. I know that he's alive. I know that he's going to come. I know that he is real. I know. How did he know? How would we understand these things except for the Holy Spirit of God speaking to us? There is no way, brothers and sisters, that don't happen without God endorsing it and His Holy Spirit reveals those things to us. It's important that we understand that these preparations are made and we need to follow them even yet today. Now we say, well, then we're in the Old Testament. We don't have to worry about those things because Christ come and died for us and everything's all good now. I beg to differ. That same plan of salvation is, is still prevalent today and it still needs to be followed. We have those that are, would believe that everybody's going to go to heaven. We know that doctrine exists. We know that that is something that those people in this world will proclaim to try to make it easy for them. We know that that is something that we need to stand up against and say, no, that is not true. For God so loved the world that whoever believeth in Him should not perish. Whoever believeth in Him. It didn't didn't, uh, make a certain number. It says whoever. That means the entire world. For God so loved the world. It didn't say a certain group. You see what I'm saying? There's so many doctrines that are back and forth to that. We know the truth. We know what the Bible says about it. We know that it is the preparations that was made by God Himself. Made by God Himself. We know that in Isaiah 7 and 14, we just went through this. We just experienced this this last yesterday. Isaiah seven fourteen reads, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. We go into the New Testament, John 17 and 1. It reads this way. These words spake Jesus and lifted his eyes into heaven. Oh, I'm sorry, that's the wrong wrong verse. Matthew 1 and 23, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Now let me, let me explain to why them were very similar. Well, you'll say, well, that's just fine. They probably just copied it and copied it and copied it, and it has followed to the Old Testament, or to the New Testament. That was hundreds of years apart. The people that wrote that in the Old Testament are dead and gone. 
And we know that even back in those days that what we read today in our scriptures was not prevalent. This Bible didn't exist back in those days when that was written. The scrolls were there, and it was brought up through the scrolls, but we're talking about the, the printing press, and what we see today was just, it was new. It, it, it hasn't been that far out in our history that this type of Scripture and Bible was for us to read. So I want you to look that that Scripture back then aligned with the same Scripture later on. These people were dead and gone. How did that happen? Because the plan of God and through His Holy Spirit, He allowed men to, to pin this down by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. They were divinely inspired. God, His perfect plan. It lines up perfect. Did you not read what I just or hear what I just read to your attention? It lined up perfect. A perfect plan. Perfect preparation. It works, brothers and sisters, and it will work every single time. Every single time. We go to um, Jeremiah 23 and 5. Behold, the day comes, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper, and shall execute judgment and justice on the earth. We go to Luke 1 and 32. He shall be great. He shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. Do you see them to compare, to say the same thing? That plan that was put there in the Old Testament is still the same plan in the New Testament. And it is still the same plan and the same in today, this very time. If you're here and lost today, I want you to understand how much God wants you to be saved. Now let me say that again. How much God wants you to be saved. I know there was two years between the time I was convicted, under conviction, and the time that I was saved. There was many times when I was in that state I prayed and I prayed and I went to the altar and nothing happened. I got discouraged. God, you're just not going to save me. Why are you? Why have you chose me? Have you pulled me out of all these people and you're not going to save me? Until I stopped. And let me just give you a, what my thought pattern was. And some say, well, that was a good thought pattern, what you were thinking. But it didn't get me to the Lord. It didn't. It wasn't saved because of that. I grew up in church. You made this. I made this statement earlier. I was around church kids, my age. Church kids are not good. Always. And this is what was in my mind when I say this. I seen church kids out doing things that I would have done running and doing things that were not right in my conversation when I was praying is Lord when you save me and I'm going to be perfect I'm not going to be like that I'm going to walk the walk and talk the talk I'm going to be right there that wasn't good enough to get me saved that was me bargaining with the Lord I continued on with that sound, seemed good in my little mind at that time it sounded a good thing 
It sounded like, boy, that would, God would just jump all over that and he would really want to save me. But it was the time that I come to him and I says, Lord, I've tried everything. Lord, I was discouraged. And I said, Lord, if you don't save me, I'm just going to have to die and go to hell because I don't know what else to do. And he said, exactly. You don't have nothing else you can do. And he saved my soul when I come to that conclusion and I stopped to bargain with him. So you understand, there are things that we can, uh, we can say and do as uh, uh, trying to reach somebody. I know there was a brother at Bethel. I forget his name right now, but Brother Jeff probably will understand who I'm talking about. But there was, he was on the altar as a kid. And there were some people sitting back in the altar, uh, some church members, and they were, they were laughing. They started cackling a little bit while he was on the altar. He thought they were laughing at him. He thought they were laughing at him. It hindered him. It was a wedge that the devil was able to use to get between them and, and praying through. So you see how crucial it is that we show the love of God, how much that God desires to save them. Because in my own personal experience, in this experience that I brought to your attention, and I bet I could listen to other experiences in here when you were praying to get through that the devil used to deter you and to, to cause you from praying through. The thing that will get that envelope closed up and sealed is to bring out the true love. How much God loves mankind. I'm talking about the, when we read that voice, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son Let that sink in how powerful that scripture is. It is powerful. God loved us so much that he gave his son. I'm sure that you here that have sons would, how would you, what would it be like? Would you want to give up your son for a bunch of people that don't like you, that would spit upon you, that would uh, would just curse you to your face? Would you want to do that? You would would have fain, would not even want to do that to people that you liked. This is the love of God. He gave His only begotten Son for a bunch of people that don't like Him. Wow. That's that's incredible. That is something that needs to be uplifted more in this lost and dying world. That true love that God has for mankind. He prepared a way before the foundation of the world that He could be saved by His marvelous grace. That was prepared before we even existed. What love God has for mankind. What desire does he have to have fellowship with us. That's why when when they partook of that fruit in the garden, they went against the commandment of God and that fellowship was broken. They they hid themselves. They heard him walking in the the garden. They hid themselves. Why are you hiding? Did you eat of that fruit? That tree that told you not to? Yes, we're naked. We sowed fig leaves. And I'm had living here, but you know the story. You know the story. And God wanted fellowship with them, and their fellowship was broken. And can you see the, 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 the results of that? Can you see? Can you put yourself in the garden? His brother, brother Derek, many times he'll, he'll preach to us, put yourself in that place. Can you put yourself there? Could you put yourself in the garden? What condemnation? What was going over them at the time when the Lord come to them and talked to them and says, why are you hiding? You disobeyed me. It's just like, have you disobeyed your parents before? And you come to them and you, and you, were, and you had your head down and you knew that, that, that you had done wrong. 
Oh, my. One of the hardest things I ever remember is my mom would tell me, you just wait till your daddy gets home. You ever had that when you was a young one? That was a miserable time, those hours that clicked before your dad got home from work. That's just a mild, a mild example compared to what Adam and Eve was experiencing there in that garden. He desires to have fellowship with you. He has desired to have fellowship with mankind. Do you see the picture that is portrayed that God has put on my heart? He desires it more than we do. He desires it more than anything. He wants to love and to fellowship with you. He wants you to come and be able to walk with Him. He desires to be able to lead you. That's what He's about. He's all about helping us. He's all about saving people. He's all about that. That's His whole directive. That's why He created you and I, that He would have someone to fellowship Him, to someone to praise Him and give Him His just due. He deserves it. He's God. He's sweet. He's precious. Oh, please, brothers and sisters, I'm trying to portray a picture that I, in my ability, I can't even give it to you as pure and as innocent and as great as it is. I can't unfold the book and reveal it to you as sweet as it is. God desires to have fellowship with us so much that will affect lost people that needs to be betrayed and how do we do that we show that love in our hearts we let the Lord that has saved our soul we let that fly out and take place in there as they see that I talked to you earlier about when I was lost and I was undone and I was there and I heard the Holy Spirit or I, I felt the Holy Spirit in the presence. Just in this, this church alone. This church alone. I know, Brother Gary, you've seen many services in this church. The, the power of God manifested in such a mighty way that people were shouting, people were praising the Lord, that it was just, it was thick. The power of it was just it was just you could cut it with a knife, it was so thick in the service. We all know that. We all have experienced that. That's what works. And that is the pure love of God manifested in our hearts. And it will have an effect. Oh, I can't please understand how powerful the love of God is when it is revealed from us out to those that are around about us. The scripture says the, the lost cannot sit in the presence of the righteous. Why can they not? Whenever that power is there, they, they will either run to the altar or they'll run from it. And many times they may run from it, but you know what? They won't forget. They will take that home with them. And we know we want to see people saved on our altars. And that's the good. I was saved on an altar or on the front bench. I was saved in a church during a revival. But I know that there's many that I've heard tell about their experiences of salvation. They were not in a church. But what happened in that service and the power of God manifested amongst them at that time, it did not leave them. They took that home with them and they remembered that and it had a working on them. They couldn't sleep. They couldn't eat. I know I couldn't. You remember being under conviction? Do you remember how miserable you were? You couldn't sleep. You couldn't eat. You couldn't rest. You couldn't get it off your mind very long at a time. You were miserable. 
They will take that out of here and there was those that have been saved in their home, in their bedrooms, in their bathrooms, and in, in many other places. So how powerful is the Holy Spirit and the love of God as it's manifested from us to a lost and dying world? It'll work. It'll work every single time. We need that back in our services. The power of God, powerful. Consider seeing that. It worked for me. And I bet it worked for a lot of you, if not all of you. Brothers and sisters, that's the message that God has placed upon my heart. I trust that we will take this. Not because of me, but because of God that placed it there. Please don't look at me because I miserably fell just like everyone else. I'm a sinner saved by the grace of God. I get down and out from time to time too. And I depend upon you, church, to uplift me when I'm down. And likewise, I want to be there for you to uplift you when you're down. Because we're going to be up and down but we need, as we spoke of earlier about those, when the preacher's pastor would say, I know it was going to be a good service because some certain person was going to, was on fire for the Lord. That's, that's how it works, brothers and sisters. And we may look at that and we say, may shake our head. Well, that's, that, that, we wished it wasn't that way, but that works. Won't you be that person that comes in and you're on fire for the Lord? Don't you want to raise your hand and say, Lord, will you please use me that way? I want to have that closeness to you that you will use me to be the one to spark your service to where I can feel and we can, the church can identify and see your Holy Spirit manifested. Manifested among each other. We will grow from that. We need to feel that more earnestly and lost people will be drawn to an altar of repentance. It works. That's the message I have.